0: Let's head to the phone lines right now. Our friend Gus Catengale in New Orleans. Pro Pronola segment starting now. Gus, right out the gate, man. Um, I know I've been texting you a little bit, but but how's it going out there, man? I mean, you guys got you guys got slammed pretty hard.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I think it's. Uh, I don't want to say caught people by surprise, but I guarantee you, nobody thought it'd be the severity that it that it hit here, man. Um, just speaking with the folks that I was in line getting ice for for about 40 minutes yesterday over there at the ice house on Williams, um, every, everyone's in the same boat, you know, it's, um, in, in the past, and obviously, you know, this from what we've had to do this summer. I mean, when you see something coming and I think there's a lot of people that are talking about it, um, when you get that sense of, Hey, it's time to get prepared. Um, you see it, right. You see it two, three days before, you know, Walmart's packed, fam's is packed. And, you know, all the local stores are, you know, crowded with people and, um, you, know, you can't find things and, you know, it's traffic for gas and all that. I- I'm telling you <laughs> Monday evening, uh, my wife went to the store to get something for dinner. And I mean, it- there was nobody in there. I, I, I don't know if it's storm fatigue, which I- I've-, I've heard some of the other people kind of reference it, but I, even from them, I mean, you know, we're one, two stations we catch our nightly news with. I mean, it, it didn't dominate the the newscast. It wasn't like, you know, the, the first two segments and you find out about it in weather or the very beginning, hey, coming up in weather, we'll tell you the latest track because what, what happened, Scott, was it so fast? You know, Monday, Tuesday, it's still not even by us. And what was crazy was, Wednesday morning to wake up. All right, look, it's, it's going to be probably a cat too, but you know, we don't know it. And it what was strange. It was, I remember hearing, the you know, it, well, you know, things will close at 12, <laughs> you know, or, um, things will, you know, make sure the stores are like the Grocery store. I went to Wednesday morning was closing at two o'clock at 4 PM. We had hurricane force winds in the city. I mean, like, think about that. That's, I guess the best way to try to describe it is um, it's not how fast it came. And I can promise you not a lot of people were ready for that, plus the damage. And um, I know they said 47 was the last time the eye went over downtown New Orleans. So I don't think people were prepared for that. But I just think preparations and things like that are different now with with COVID. I mean, I I think if they would have said evacuate the city or something of that nature, they would only do that for – a water event, I guess, since this one was always said to be a wind event, that it'd be in and out of here. I mean, we got the eye wall, Scott, we got the Western eye wall here over this house in, I don't know, 535, 530 and six o'clock it was gone. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I mean, in that 30 minutes, it was pretty darn intense, but 30 minutes. And then we walk outside. There's the eye. We got like five minutes, five to 10 minutes more of the back wall. And I'm telling you, I six 15, I'm in the street. And we're walking up and down the street, looking at tree limbs in the road. Power cables snapped in half. I mean, it it was nuts. I mean, around my neighborhood, there are two, um two trees and power cables crashed and snapped houses in half i mean I, I, i've never seen anything like this dude i
0: mean the wind is no joke man it's uh gus cattengale our guest i don't know if it's 2020 fatigue I- as well but right. i know for us here just a few weeks ago with with hurricane delta you know hurricane laura god bless lake charles i mean they really they, they've they still got a lot of lot of cleanup mm-hmm. to do and uh we're impacted much worse than we were with Delta or, or for that matter, you guys were with Zeta. But I think we got, you know, kind of the side of that one. And then when Delta came, you know, Cat 2, you know, you're kind of thinking, all right, you ride this thing out. And then it just ended up being the wind ended up just, it's just no joke. You're sitting there and uh that right, you know, two houses down from me, a power line broke. There's mm-hmm. wires in the street, powers out for three days, trees in everyone's yard, some through some houses in our neighborhood. It just, um, it kind of it kind of sounds eerily similar, not to in any way. You know, I hope you're not saying that, like, oh man, I know exactly what happened there. I don't. I mean, I, your, your, your storm is your right. storm, but just a few weeks ago here, it was kind of like I. A lot of people echoed a sentiment you were saying, like they they were expecting mm-hmm. some, you know, to buckle down and have some wins, but then when it got here and the the eye wall broke off right over us, and and it just got the wind just got a little too little too intense, and uh, and just. Following you and others on social media and uh, in the news a little bit the other day, I was like, man, that that thing ended up hitting much harder than I think any of us anticipated.
1: Well, I think the thing that really stood out to me, is going to be kind of my prevailing thought of this one, is, you know, I'm listening yesterday. My, my neighbor across the street has a generator, so I kind of hung out in the backyard with them and... And it was weird just to see a TV. And I got to see like the first, I guess, because I had nothing. There's no power. And honestly, I didn't even text you last night. I didn't know if your call would go through. My wife had to go to work. She works downtown. And she tried calling me a couple of days while I was doing, you know, clean up in the backyard. And we couldn't talk. You know, it'd be back and forth. That's because, I guess, the cell towers didn't have power. So now they do. So I can actually speak to you. But um, the thing that prevails to me, I guess, through this is, I'm watching the weather yesterday report on the news stories of that our biggest dust we got here around the airport was 71. And I looked at my wife, I said, no way. No way. <laughs> I said, way. If, I said if, if 71 was our biggest dust, which means it wasn't sustained, right? So uh, what was our sustained when, I mean, I, that's impossible if that's the eye. So, but if that's 71 and my brother-in-law literally lives on uh, Colbert off West End Boulevard, which they got the center of the eye. The center of the eye went like over City Park, and then heading to Slidell, um, and and seeing their pictures and, and hearing everybody else. My point being that the entire metro area was out power, and and that's it. You know, that kind of storm, then you know, it. it Scott, if that's a slow moving, normal hurricane, Cat Two, New Orleans can't handle it. I mean, I you know, I used to think before they could handle. You know one, but um, yeah, you're going to be without power. I mean, that's you know it's crazy. I I, I guess the thing that's prevailing to me is that I the, the, this state got hit with a lot stronger storms um, this summer, and it's nuts because if we would we would have it would have been bad.
0: Well, luckily, um, you know, you guys are are. On the road to recovery and uh, hoping to get the power back soon. I know that if uh, if New Orleans doesn't have the majority of power back by uh, by three twenty five on Sunday, everybody's going to flip out <laughs> because that's when the Saints are scheduled to kick off against the Bears. I know they lost power down on Airline Drive at the facility, uh, but let's talk a little Saints right now. Gus Catgill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent from ESPN one hundred point three in New Orleans, our guest um, Michael Thomas back at practice yesterday. On a limited basis, Marquez Callaway back at practice on a limited basis. Emmanuel Sanders is going to uh, still be out with a um, with with the COVID nineteen issue. But just looking at the injury report, Gus, I think there there was a moment there where I'm like, man, they might be even more short handed at wide receiver. And while yesterday's report isn't the final report, which will come out later today, in terms of you know um, whether somebody's limited out or expected to play. It is a step, I think, in the right direction that the Saints might be a little more healthy than we thought going into this one, where you look at the Bears injury report, and it's got a dozen players on it.
1: Yeah, um, that injury situation is is crazy when you look at it this year, but we've been talking about it, haven't we, Scott, about how teams are going to have to handle that, battle it, and, and do all those different elements of it, so um, it is nuts to, to sort of see how banged up they are, and Look, man, we were talking about it back Monday on our last show was, you know, what it, What it were some of the storylines going into um, this game? And, you know, a lot of it was almost mental, I think, for me with with, um, with the Bears in terms of how you respond with everyone just crushing you after Monday night's loss and, um, and, and what they are and where they haven't been. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I mean, I was joking going into the game last weekend that, this is a team that's five and one, where there were six point underdogs going to the Rams. So, um, if you can see why, and um, when you add those injuries, it just it affects you. I mean, you can see when the Saints were affected with a couple of injuries, it did, and we kind of routinely refer to them as a deep football team. So, it's kind of um, one of those things, you know. But look, I guess you look at it like this: they got the injuries. You know, Saints will have to deal with you know temperatures and the. Upper 30s with the windshield and uh, all that element. So um, I, I still, I just look at it as is we talked about it last week, man. Um, it's it show me, you know, show me that uh, you're a better team and you can handle this. I mean, if you want to be a Super Bowl contending team and stuff like this, I mean, you, this is a dangerous game i labeled it but it's a game you gotta take care of your business
0: it really is like are you surprised the saints are a four and a half point road favorite in chicago in november when the bears i get it they did not look good on monday night mm-hmm. they didn't but they're still five and t- two i mean they beat tampa bay just two weeks ago
1: right no I, i'm not surprised and, and the reason why i say i'm not surprised because in that game it they beat tampa bay you came not my look again you're, you're you're, you are the game that you are in, in your effort. But the Bucks had 11 penalties. They had several um, draws in the red zone. They didn't get in. It could have been touchdowns. Now, again, I know every coach and every team can say um, that they've had this or they don't have all of that. So I understand it. But at the same time um, – the Bucks were the better team. You think of them overall, right? So everybody has a bad performance. You look at last year, Saints hosting the Falcons after the bye. That's inexcusable. You saw the rest of the year, though, the Saints were the better team. So I think that's what people are seeing and saying. And um, look, the Saints are trending in the right direction. I mean, you look at the last performance on them on the field, Scott, their run defense is still solid. I mean, you look at numbers, and again, this is something that Vegas does, and you know, but they're seventh in total defense, which probably makes people go, okay, then I don't believe and trust those numbers anymore, right? Um, But the problem is, they're what is it, thirty-second in red zone defense? So uh, that's dead last. So the defense is getting better. The offense is getting better, and I think that's what we want to see, right? I mean, that's what we've been waiting to see, and you know, last week was the best offensive performance this team had, had this season.
0: I think more than anything, I want to just see a game where they the, the secondary doesn't just have a completely blown coverage where somebody runs wide mm-hmm. open. Because I, I was I was visiting with Nick Underhill this week, and what's perplexing about it, Gus, is. You've got the same players. You have continuity. You have the same defensive coordinator. You haven't – like, you, you had a game where Janoris Jenkins and Lattimore were both out in Detroit, and the secondary actually played well, which is kind of ironic. But outside of that, you look at all the other games. Janoris Jenkins missed, you know, another, one other game. Like, you've, you've – uh, Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson now in year number two, and he, he struggled last week in coverage. You've got continuity within this system. You don't have at least at the top of the depth chart new players that don't know what they're doing. You've got the same defensive coordinator whose specialty on defense is the secondary. That's where he cut his teeth in the NFL. You know, coaching secondaries and uh, and and you know, Aaron Glenn's done a good job in the past in the secondary as the DB coach. So uh, that to me is like sometimes you can just look at an issue and say, okay, well it's time or they didn't get the reps or you've got injuries or you got new players or you got a new coordinator. You don't have any of those built in excuses for the same secondary and that's why it's just perplexing to me that they continue to have multiple just not just bad coverage here or there, but completely blown assignments on game day that almost cost them last week and at some point is gonna cost them in a game this year. And
1: what you just said really with Sean Payton was um was was talking about that if you continue to play this way, then you're going to see a a game that really is going to cost you. I mean, you know, I'm watching that game yesterday and you're watching that game last week and, you know, Scott, should that have been a three-point game? Should that have been a game where, you know, if we're talking about that that was the best offensive performance by the Saints offense, should we be talking about, hey, they barely won that game, you know? And, I mean, it shouldn't have come down to a foot, right, of a missed field goal. I mean, if if we're talking about the best offensive performance that the Saints have had this season. So, I I think when you look at it from that perspective, it is. It's it's a bit perplexing. Um, But it's because of the big plays. It's literally because of the big plays. It's the only reason um, that the games are that close. So, I think when you – put that into perspective, it is. I mean, it, it, it can cost you. It can literally cost you, you know, a game. It could cost you um, an opportunity, you know, to win a game. So, um, yeah, they got to fix it. I mean, you know me, I, I, I perpetually every week, man, can't um, understand why Marcus Williams is regressing, why Malcolm Jenkins and them are the way they are. I, I, I for the life of me, cannot understand, why they can't get their communication or their, you know, landmarks. Or Sean Payton tried to explain it on Monday uh, together as to why they can't pick all that stuff up, man. I, I, I don't know. It's if, if an out route confuses Lattimore to go that way, again, I just, it just, look, he's a safety and now you're going to raise my blood pressure because I just, I couldn't understand it on Monday. You know, you cover, you're responsible for one part of the field and, um, the linebackers were covering where Jenkins was. He had his eyes in front of him. He's covering his part of the field, and you know Marcus Williams decides to go with the out receiver and, and watch a receiver run by him. I, I don't know who he thinks is covering that back part. Does he think it's Slidum? I mean Jenkins. And if that's the case, then why is he going towards a guy that's covered by three black jerseys? So I, it's just bad safety play. But whatever it is, because everyone else is doing their job, it's just bad safety play. The two safeties are communicating with
0: one another and are not doing a good job period gus uh, just a few more for you man we're not going to keep you long this morning with everything happening over there i do want to point to uh, a strong performance and one that i think i don't know that we've really talked ever about him at length on on this show anyway um but but you mentioned it about the run defense for this team and I don't know the exact stat off the top of my head, but it's been several years since they've given up a a, a, a one hundred yard rusher, you know, a guy that rushes for over a buck in a single game against them. I mean the run defense has been really strong. And I think, you know, when you're good against the run but you don't rack up a ton of sacks, you just it doesn't go as noticed. That's just the reality of of the NFL. David Yamada, I don't think, is getting enough credit right now because he doesn't put up these giant numbers, but you know, I mean, he had a couple of hurries last week in a game where otherwise the pass rush was 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 quiet until Marcus Davenport had that big sack late. Um, and just on that side of the ball, in terms of playing consistently, we've seen everybody on the D-line, I think, have some up-and-down games. But I feel like Anya Mata, not so much. He's been consistent this season. Um, he opens up rushing lanes for the linebackers to make plays. He's strong against the run again, doesn't put up the kind of numbers and highlights where you're going to say, holy cow, man, give this guy a game ball, go get a 93 jersey with Onyemata on the back. But I, I, I just had it in my notes after last week. I'm like, you know what? When I talk to Gus Friday, we at least need to spend a little time, and I wanted your thoughts on him because you're there covering the team in New Orleans. But this guy's really developed into a strong, strong player.
1: I would say so much so that I think you understand some of the discussion, whether it's trade rumors or whatever, of Sheldon Rankins, who just two seasons ago, obviously before injuries, was having a great year, right? So I think the fact that people are understanding, hey, or or saying that he could be part of a a trade would be something that's interesting to me. Um, So I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I think you're 100% right. I mean, he's been somebody that has done a tremendous job for the Saints, um, stopping the run and just being more than, more than anything something that has is, is troubled and, and bothered um, the Saints so far this year, and that's um, availability. And just being able to be available, I think, is a big thing. And that's something that, man, for one way, shape, or form, or another – that's been a problem for this team is injuries on the line, injuries to the defense, injuries with, with all of that. So the fact that they've been able to have somebody that can be open, I think is kind of a key area.
0: Gus Kattengale, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, has been our guest. Uh, Last Saints question, then one Stan Van Gun question, then we'll let you go. Last Saints question is just what's your prediction for Sunday afternoon?
1: I think the Saints win, man, and quite honestly, I think, you know, with the weather and all that, it can be some of that nature or be a low-score game, but um, I think the Saints have been running the football well. I think the Saints have been playing the run well. They're facing a team that has all kinds of offensive issues and identity, which is why I call it a dangerous game, though. I think, you know, they'll be looking to prove that they aren't that. So they're healing all week from a much, much more difficult media you know, situation and there is in new Orleans hearing all of those things. So I think they will be eager, survive that first quarter. Don't turn the ball over. I don't see why the Saints can't win something like, you know, 31, 14 or something. I legitimately think that because again, Scott, most of your big plays have come from a running back and uh, Alvin Kamara can do what he's doing inside outside. I think Alvin Kamara can do, um, and Latavius Murray can be used in this game. The passing game isn't what it used to be when you would go outdoors and play in the cold. You saw that last year with Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints go do what they had to do in Seattle. Uh, they were able to do that because right now the Saints passing game is a short to intermediate passing game. So that's good. Now you looked at that injury report. I see Michael Thomas back. Doesn't look like you're going to Callaway, but getting Thomas back would be a, a big thing. So um I, I, I just think the Saints are the better team, man. So, in theory, and, you know, theory is theory, but in theory, if the Saints don't give up a play-action big pass play because Foles missed one or two, you know, big shots in that Rams game that were open, you know, Darton Moody from uh, Tulane was actually open on one of those plays. So, the opportunities exist just there. If the safeties don't blow it, I mean, I, I think the Saints are a better team, legitimately.
0: All right, uh, Gus. Yeah, and and it would set up a huge showdown with Tampa Bay, who of course is going to win Monday because they're playing the Giants. So uh, I know NBC really wants uh, the Saints and Bucks to be in a battle for first place with Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown's first game with them and uh, perhaps Brady and Breeze tied for the all-time touchdown record. I think all the execs at uh, NBC would be just – slobbing over that man uh drooling over it in the meantime final question appreciate the time gus uh stan van gundy's opening press conference as the pelicans head coach your number one takeaway and then we'll let you run
1: uh i would say the thing that stood out to me uh, and my number one takeaway with that is you see why so many people respect him when it comes to basketball and um I mean, it, it felt like, and it was almost rewarding to to hear it. Um, it was like a a basketball clinic. I, I don't know how else to sort of put the um, you know to to describe what it was like to to hear him just talk about everything. Um, you hear plans. You heard essentially what he kind of told you and, and how he envisions. Drew Holiday and talk about lines of ball and what he could and couldn't do um, on this offense, um, touching on Zion being, you know, a player that's either going to be a four or five. I mean, he just told you all these different things. He talked about the defensive aspect of it, and you can hear and see why, Scott, um, you hear players or people that have covered him say he's going to hold everybody responsible, and he's going to talk about people uh, and make him do that. And I, I love how he said, "Look, I communicated and talked to all the teams, or I mean, all my, all the players already trying to get a hold of them, and and um, and what they need to do." And he said he's going back to watching films. so he's going to be able to sit down with them and tell them, "Look, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to get better." And I think that's, is something that you heard David Griffin talk about when it came to leadership. But I think the other thing from a fan standpoint, if you're listening to that presser, you can go back and watch it. Um, the thing that I think stood out to you was just hearing him consistently talk about X's and O's and Clans and, and doing all those things that, um, a lot of Pell's fans felt was lacking. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's really good at press conferences. I'll certainly say that as well. Um, but, well, pre- no,
1: that was one of the reasons, Scott, we talked last week, You know that it would be a good fit in the right hire because that alleviates and takes pressure off of Zion and Ingram and everybody else, right? I mean, he's it's, his, it's he's almost the patent where it's fifteen. team, it's what he says goes, and, and how it's going to go.
0: Gus Cangill has been our guest at GKATT underscore 17 on Twitter. He is the host of the Sports Hangover on ESPN Radio in New Orleans the flagship station of the New Orleans Pelicans. Appreciate the time, man. I hope you guys get power back soon. I know it's not easy ever, especially when you got a little one, but um, stay safe, man. Appreciate it. Have a great Halloween, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I know it wasn't easy for them, but, um, you know, shout out to, to all the workers who, you know, the men and women who just work to get power back on, after a hurricane. And they've been doing it here in Louisiana a lot over the last few months. And, of course, immediately there were reports of another disturbance in the Gulf, but uh, it looks like it's heading towards Central America. So, God willing, knock on wood, no more hurricanes in 2020 coming to Louisiana. But, again... Knock on wood. Because here we are at the end of October, right? Season's supposed to end. Yeah, we'll see.